This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash excuse for free trial membership. This is Writing Excuses Season 4, Episode 5, Role-Playing Games as a Tool for Storytelling. Fifteen minutes long because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Dan. And I'm rolling for initiative. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So this was a podcast suggested by Mr. Wells, or was it? Was it by you? One of these two jokes. You know, go ahead and blame this. Dan, but it was my idea. Okay. <laughs> um, because if Howard awesome, I get the credit, though. <laughs> pointed out that all three of us have done an extensive amount of role playing. By this, we're talking for those who may not know things like Dungeons and Dragons and whatnot. Um, we've been doing it since we were kids, and it has um, affected our storytelling and us as individuals. And so we want to kind of sit here and analyze, has it helped us? Has it hurt us? What has it done for us? And can our listeners use the role-playing game, um, the experience, to make them better writers? Mm -hmm. So uh, how has it helped us? Um, do you think role-playing has helped you become a better storyteller, Howard? Absolutely. Well, Absolutely. that's the end of the podcast. Uh, yep, there we go, and we can go home. That's um, why we don't ask close-ended questions. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Dan, no yes, no questions, please. Close-ended? Um, what? Go on. <laughs> I'm sorry. The, uh, uh, the role-playing games that I've participated in uh -huh. have been fun for me because I, once I got past the, oh, I'm going to roll some dice so I can kill the monster. Uh -huh. Once I got into the, oh, my character has motivations. Right. My character, mm -hmm. what my character really wants to do in this city is teach the dwarves how to make pie. <laughs> and that, I've I role-played that. I've told this story before, not on the cast, but uh, I, I role-played that really? with Bob. That's, that's what you wanted to do. You wanted to teach My dwarves. barbarian wanted to teach the dwarves how to make pie because my barbarian loved pie and the dwarves wouldn't eat it. The dwarves were like, pie, that's fruity, elfy stuff. And I said, guys, you can put bacon in pie. <laughs> okay, and now you can tell the dwarves who are of the church of Oric the Barbarian by the shine in their beards. Okay. Okay, and that these are moments in games where your character comes to life and you realize, oh, there's, you know, there's something mm -hmm. fun here beyond the dice. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I think the big thing is, is character. Okay, so playing as a player helps you to understand character motivations for your storytelling. Well summarized. All right. Dan, Absolutely. what about you? Yeah, uh, a lot of the same things. I, uh, Role-playing helped me become a storyteller okay. because it taught me, I mean, it, if, if people understood what role-playing really was, they, they would push their kids into it, mm -hmm. I, I think. It, it 
teaches you such wonderful social skills and how to tell stories and how to interact with people and how to read and all these things. Um, I learned all of that through role playing and uh, a lot of my characters uh, come from games that I've done. And, and if, if you read my books and say, well, you know, I can see a lot of these common elements among his characters, yeah, that, that's also who I role play. That's how I learned to do that. As a GM, though, beyond just the, the playing a character, uh, being a GM helps a lot. Uh, being the game master and guiding the story. Um, All right. It, what has it helped you specifically? Yeah, that's what I'm trying to think of. Well, I know with me, <laughs> I know what it helped. helped me do, but apparently not Dan, is wing it. Oh, dang it. <laughs> um, yes. Because when you are playing as a GM, uh, you will have this group of characters mm -hmm. who will all be going off in random directions, not oh, wanting to word. do what you want them to We've do. We've talked about how, Brandon, yeah. you are an outliner. I am. And you will outline the story. I don't want to say you'll outline it to death, but you'll outline it to the point that you pretty much know what you're going to write. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and a role-playing game does not work that way. No. No, and it is useful sometimes. You need to, it, even if you're an outliner like me, you need to be willing to wing it in your fiction. You get to a point and you say, you know what, this next point that I, have, that I had planned out is really, really lame. Um, yeah. And the characters really wouldn't do this. What would they do? Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, some people talk to this as the characters taking off of the story. It's not how it happens with me, but I do get to that point sometimes and say, okay, what would they really do? And at that point, I'm winging it. Yeah. And sometimes mm -hmm. I go and I rebuild my outline. Sometimes I just write the scene and see what they would do. Mm -hmm. And role-playing and dealing with a bunch of characters who, you know, you... You're never sure what they're going to decide You're to never do. Never sure what they're. That's going to like decide. the the hallmark. That is the yeah. first rule of being a GM: is that yeah. no matter what, no matter how you think your players are going to solve a problem, they will solve it differently. Yeah, right. and, and, the, you and the have other to be able to roll with it. The other thing is that you you need to remember that as the GM, uh, you may be the storyteller. The, the, the principal storyteller, but this is a shared experience. It is right. everybody's story. Mm -hmm. They have outlines, they have backstories, they right. have motivations that they're probably not telling you about. Yeah. Right. Well, and uh, on that note, you know, just the, the fact that my players will always find a different way of solving a problem has taught me as a writer to look for other ways. Right, to because, anticipate mm -hmm. and... Yeah, if, if there's a problem in my book and I'm thinking, oh, well, obviously the characters are going to solve it this way, I'll stop and say no. Obvious, that nothing's obvious. Right. I need to find something different, something more clever, something that no one is expecting. Right, it's, it's always fulfilling as a GM when I go th have a list of, okay, I think these are the first three things they're going to try. And two or sometimes three of them are the first things that the characters try, mm -hmm. and that, that t teaches me, okay, I'm learning to anticipate what people are going to be thinking, and if it can be the fourth thing, or the fifth thing, or something like that, then you've really succeeded, because in fiction, if you can do this, if the reader's reading along and thinking, okay, they're gonna try this, and then the characters do, and it fails for a legitimate reason, they're gonna be like, oh, wow, this is a more complicated, mm -hmm. difficult problem than I thought, and the same thing happens in role-playing. Yep, we. Uh, I, I, I'm role playing a, a play test for Bob Defendi's Echoes of Heaven campaign, and a uh, few months back, uh, we got sent back in time by an artifact and were participating in history, and managed to break history. Oh, good. and Bob looked at that, and we, you know, we got to the end of that fight, and Bob said, "Well, um, we're done for the evening." because what happens next requires me to sit down to do, and do some writing. I need to talk to a couple of you privately. And what grew out of that 
What grew out of that moment was so much more interesting than anything else Bob had planned. It, mm -hmm. was, it was fantastic. Uh, involved a paladin repeatedly murdering one of the other characters while both of them were in hell. Um, oh boy. It, <laughs> it was awesome. It was awesome. And it couldn't have happened in a, you know, the writer sits down and writes the whole story environment. Yeah. Right. We had to sit down, we had to break Bob's story. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, one other thing, um, we'll come back, we'll do a break and then come back and do kind of things against, but there's one other thing that I, I think it has really helped me with, and that has been the simple coolness factor. I will try out ideas with my role-playing group and see if, through actually going through a narrative, these things are actually cool. There and if they, if they mm -hmm. are, they will show up in my books. My, my role-playing groups will read my books and say, hey, I know this. <laughs> Wait a minute. Um, and it's not actually, in, in many cases, it's not me taking an idea from the role-playing group and saying, oh, that would be cool in the book. I don't do that. Really, I have never done that. But mm -hmm. what I have done is said, ooh, this is an idea that I've been playing with, maybe using in a story. I'm going to throw it out here and see if it works narratively in the role-playing session and see how they attack it from different ways. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to take this element and I've kind of, I've given it a dry run, so to speak. And I can take the training wheels off and put it in an epic fantasy book and see yeah. if it works. Yeah. And, you know, and speaking of dry, in the role-playing game last yes. night, uh -huh. where uh, the... Where you invented an entire new dialect? We invented invented an entire new dialect in talking with the slugs because the slug king approached us and said, you know, which among you is the moistest? And, uh, and the, yeah, the dialogue, the mm. dialogue and the dialect grew. It was very, very, very amusing. Yes. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, rivers and oceans and sprinkling and, and water yes. and mucus. Yeah. And, and it worked well. The uh, testing out a system on players is a great way to, you know, stress test it for fans. Yeah. The kind of people who will obsess over the technology in Slock Mercenary or a magic system in a Brandon Sanderson book. You know, if you've given that a good rugged test with players who will yeah. do anything they, will they try can to break, to break it, it yeah. that, that works really well. Alright, let's pause. Hey writers, are you thinking about learning a new language? I think exploring the world, experiencing other cultures, and being able to communicate with people outside your everyday experience lets you create richer, better stories. A great way to do that is with Rosetta Stone, a trusted expert for over 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. They use an immersive technique which leads to fast language acquisition. It's an intuitive process that helps you really learn to speak, listen, and most of all think in the language you're trying to learn. They also feature true accent speech recognition technology that gives you feedback on your pronunciation. It's like having a voice coach in your home. Learn at home or on the go with a desktop and mobile app that let you download and access lessons even when you're offline. And it's an amazing value. A lifetime membership gives you access to all 25 languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, Japanese, and, of course, Korean. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Writing Excuses listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. 
Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply for a break. All right, Howard has our uh, advertisement today. Nation by Terry Pratchett. Um, I just read this. I got it for Christmas. Loved this book. It's not a Discworld book. A lot of people look at Terry Pratchett and they think, oh no, I can't pick up Terry Pratchett because the Discworld is just too huge. Uh, Nation is a standalone book and I'm pitching it to you for two reasons. One, it has a stand-up-and-cheer heroic moment in the middle of the book that is absolutely brilliant. It's, uh, it, it's one of the best I think I've ever read, uh, and I'm not going to tell you why. Um, and the second reason is that we are coming up on our Hero of a Thousand Paces, uh, Hero of a Thousand Faces Yeah, we podcast. will do that eventually. Yes. We promise we will we, do yeah, that. Sometime. It's just so big, we all need to, you know, we all need to review on it. it. Yeah, workshop on it a little bit. Um, we are going to talk you, about readers. that. We're giving you time. Um, but Nation by Terry Pratchett. <laughs> yeah, of course we did our homework. Yeah. Nation by Terry Pratchett. Uh, audiblepodcast.com slash excuse uh, for your free trial. Yeah, Pratchett's a genius. Indeed. Absolutely a genius. All right. Um, we will get back into it. I want to talk about has... Are there foibles or problems with um, role-playing and being a novelist? Are there worries? Are there problems? Problem number one okay. is that role-playing is so much fun and so addictive that it is very easy to do it at the expense of the writing oh, you should be you know, doing. I've heard that from people before, okay. too. And you know what? It happened to me. I was running uh, my Thursday night campaign. Uh, I played in a Thursday night game for about two years and realized that I wanted to run the game for a while. And as I started the running the game, I realized that I was learning all kinds of things. I was having a great time. The players were having fun. But I realized that my play day had become a work day. Right. And that I was pouring as much energy into one role play session as I would pour into an entire week of comics. Mm -hmm. And it was sucking time away from the writing. Right. And so after about four or five months, I had to give it up. And that was yeah. sad. Mm -hmm. I've had to learn to let go. Um, with my, with my, when I jam, I still jam, mm -hmm. but I don't let myself prepare as much as I want to, um, because I would spend an entire day telling yeah, a story. That's because you just know that the players are going to disappoint you by no, not following the outline. going to not do it. Uh, Brand Brandon and I are in the same, well, and now Howard, we're all in the same role-playing group. And, and let uh, me tell you, <laughs> wackiness it's ensues. bizarre. Oh, um, boy. Brandon and I actually alternate weeks yeah. for, for that reason. Neither one of yeah. us has the time to be a GM every week because we need that mm -hmm. brain time that headspace to do other things i'm just glad that last jobs. night i was moister than dan yeah you were a lot <laughs> moister than dan far more <laughs> um, all right um i want to talk about another foible which is only half a foible because really it gets a, a, a larger problem and i've seen people before try to turn their role-playing session into a novel Right, mm -hmm. they they are DM, or they have this great session, or even they're just one of the characters. It all goes fantastically well. They have a whole lot of fun, and then they sit down and say, "Everyone should be able to experience this fun." I'm going to write a novel of this, yes. um, and they are encouraged by the fact that there are several high profile cases of this working. 
uh, Dragonlance, of course. Mm -hmm. um, but recently, Steven Erickson's um, Malazan books all were based on a role-playing world that he and a friend built together. Um, the reason that this is, is half a foible and half not is there's, there's no problem with doing that. There's really nothing intrinsically wrong with saying, let's mm -hmm. take this, these great ideas and turn them into a novel. The problem is assuming that everything that was fun for your role-playing group will then be yeah. fun in the novel as well. Yeah. Well, and, and I, I think a lot of the time when you're trying to translate it over, yeah. what you're not bringing over is all of the interaction and the in-jokes right. that made it work for your group. Right. And so you're presenting ideas that were fun, but in a completely different context. Right. I mean, you will have this wonderful session where something completely off the wall will happen, and you will all be loving it. And the reason it partially is so much fun is because it was so unexpected. Mm -hmm. And because the, yeah. you, you wouldn't expect the characters to take it and run with it and make it this wonderful, fun experience. Well, yeah. then translating that to a story, the reader is not going to have the same well, sense yeah, at one all. Of, one of two things is going to happen. You're either going to telegraph it so that it doesn't feel random. Right. Or it is going to feel random, and it's going to be so random that the reader is knocked out of the story. Right. Now, I've said one of two things is going to happen. Yeah, it's also, you can walk that line perfectly mm -hmm. and end up doing it exactly right, and that's probably what Steven Erickson did. Well, He's I executed yeah. really well. Anything done well is going to yeah. sell. Anything um, that works, works. My um, suggestion to you would be, as opposed to doing that, if you have built this great world, for your role-playing um, your characters to go through. You know, that world can become a basis then for a novel. That's mm -hmm. great, but don't try and take one-to-one -one correlations. In fact, I wouldn't even try to take the characters that happened in the role-playing session because they're going to be tied to the people who played those characters. I actually think the safest thing yeah. to do uh, is to take the role-playing game and treat it as a thousand-year-old history, right? So that you've got world-building, and you can you can call back to you know the time when you know the great so-and-so did yeah. the great such-and-such, right. uh, and that gives your world flavor without forcing you to map right. your that's, that's a great mm -hmm. outline. I mean, what we've got to keep in mind here is what we say always, which is that ideas are cheap. And the role-playing session has lots, probably, of great ideas. But remember, the skill to write a novel is what you are trying to build as a writer. Yeah. yeah. Um, another problem that can arise, we don't have a lot of time left, yeah. but uh, another problem that can show up is that the kind of character that works well in a role-playing setting does not necessarily translate yeah. into a book. One of the other reasons Brandon and I are alternating as GM is because if we are both characters at the same time in yeah. the same campaign, our characters are so weird yeah. that it derails everything. We have two really <laughs> weird characters, and then... And then just, you know, I'm already starting it, to worry about Dan and I yeah. as characters in <laughs> well, the same game. you know, this brings up something that, else, that though. That could happen. Um, Role-playing games can, can switch tones very easily. The characters, mm -hmm. players will just go with it. You can be incredibly silly one moment, and you will probably be silly quite more often then you can get away with in a novel. Because in the novel, the idea is to get across realism. In a role-playing game, the idea is to get, just have fun. Mm -hmm. um, and, well, and that's the, the flip side of that is, mm -hmm. is true. It's very difficult in a role-playing game to do the drama that is so poignant that it yeah. makes you cry. Yeah. Okay, mm -hmm. now, to his credit, Bob Defendi has pulled it off two or three times in yeah, the Echoes well, of Heaven setting. Bob is known as one of the great GMs of all time. <laughs> Bob yeah. is world-class. Yeah. Um, all right, um, I'm going to do our writing prompt. Awesome. All right, there have been plenty of you get sucked, you, you know, players get sucked into their role-playing world sort of books. Uh, Guardians of the Flame by Joel Rosenberg did this. It's, it's, it's kind of become a cliche in fantasy, so you're not going to do that. You're going to have role-playing characters get sucked into, out into our world and see what happens. 
Very nice. Roll this, for initiative. <laughs> <laughs> this has been writing excuses. You are out of excuses. Now go write or play, whichever you want to do. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.